First Person Advisors is now a subsidiary of NFP, the fifth largest insurance broker in the world, combining local expertise with access to global capabilities and solutions. Learn more at firstpersonadvisors.com. Wins in Texas to kick the season off. Well done, Scott. Second no more. Scott Dixon wins the GMR Grand Prix at Indianapolis. Field. Hours before the race, I've already switched off. Scott Dixon wins three in a row to start the 2020 NTT IndyCar season. Unbelievable. Totally focused and thinking about only racing and just winning. You know, that's what it's all about. Coming through turn number four, Scott Dixon is going to complete his perfect storm with a win at the Indianapolis 500. Inside the mind of a racing champion, Six IndyCar Series championships, third behind AJ and Mario in all-time open-wheel racing wins, and a leader among active drivers in wins. But for Scott Dixon, it was that magical ride to victory at the 92nd running of the world's greatest spectacle in racing that brought him full circle, or in this case, full oval, a dream he'd had since he was a boy growing up in the land down under. One of the greatest to ever get behind the wheel of a race car. Scott Dixon, my guest on this edition of the Business and Beyond podcast. Hello and welcome to the Business and Beyond podcast presented by PNC. I'm Gary Deck. Scott Dixon got his first taste with speed when he was just seven years old. He started racing go-karts growing up in New Zealand. There, you have to be 15 to get a license to race. Dixon got special permission to get one when he was just 13. He went on to race with a cushion strapped to his back so that he could reach the pedals. Dixon's racing career took off not long after that. He was just 20 years old when he won his first open-wheel race. Two years later, qualified fourth for his first Indy 500 and finally conquered the beast by winning the race in 2008. Scott and his wife, Emma, are raising their family here in central Indiana. And it is a great pleasure to welcome Scott Dixon to the podcast this week. Scott, thanks for joining me. No, it's always a, it's, it's definitely a pleasure and, and thank you. And uh, yeah, it's the, the, the greatest month of racing, I guess, around the world is it's the month of May. So excited to kick that off and, and uh, hopefully we can finish in the right spot and be drinking some milk. Yeah, yeah. You obviously have a very global perspective, but what is it uh, about Indianapolis? What kind of, do you get that special feeling? I mean, those of us who, who live here and have done business here for many years get it around the race. How about for a driver what's you get a special feeling around this time of year well i think you know it's 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 sometimes hard to explain and and you know for even you know for myself coming from new zealand you know the biggest thing is like you've got to come to this race this spectacle you know the indianapolis 500 it is the biggest race in the world you know almost four hundred thousand people for me i lived in indy for probably two years racing in a different category and and uh never went to the race and and went as a as uh, a part of Chip Ganassi Racing when I first signed with them uh, back in 2002. And, and I was like, wow, I actually, I, I get it. It's, uh, I've been to Olympic Games, you know, Super Bowls, World Cups, and nothing has a touch on the Indianapolis 500. But, you know, honestly, for me, I think it's, it's, it's the tradition. You know, they've been, yeah. this race has been going on for over 100 years. 
um, you know, the sheer size of it, but what the community brings to it, what America loves about this race is, is the tradition and people being sitting in the same seats for generations, you know. So like anything, uh, as we spoke earlier, it's never one thing. It's it's a multitude of, of so many, but but it is the biggest race in the world. And and that's uh, that's why this, this city gets pumped. Yeah. What is the month of May to give people an idea of the month of May like for you? Obviously, focus on the track and, and, and qualifying and in practice and all those kinds of things. But there are extra things, uh, obviously, you do for sponsors and otherwise. What's, what's kind of the, is, is it a hectic month for you scheduling wise? Uh, it's crazy. You know, yeah. uh, I think you kind of got a brief insight to that too. I think uh, through the, the past two years where, you know, it was altered with COVID and, and, uh, you know the 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 one in in 2020 where we you know raced with no fans, but you know we also had no interaction with you know the community out, outreach programs, um, you know hospital visits to the charity events. There's something pretty much every night and every day. Uh, you know, going back to when I first started in the early 2000s at the Speedway, you know that the the month of May was a lot bigger as far as the on track stuff that you had. You know, it was almost a two or three week. Uh, experience whereas now we we kind of start you know this uh month with you know the race on the road course then we kind of have a week of practice leading into qualifying and then you you know you kind of go into the race so it is more compressed a lot of uh, a lot of track time during those days the days are longer um but you know it's it's uh it's busy it's you 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 are having to say no a lot of the time unfortunately right. just because there are so many things that you can be doing you know uh, around the community and and you know for, for after you know the racing hours but uh it, it is fun to be a part of and, and a lot of the stuff that we do is is huge for indianapolis yeah how do you feel uh heading into the uh the 500 this year your team ganassi racing uh amazing stable of drivers Obviously, uh, you, a defending series champ, a young guy, Alex Ballou, uh, Marcus Erickson, Jimmy Johnson, new to the, the, the series. What are, what are your thoughts heading into the, the 500? And, and Tony Kanaan. It's, it's and Tony, a yeah, of course. Uh, yes. So uh, it's, it's a five-car stable this year. Um, Jimmy Johnson didn't like it much sitting on, on, <laughs> on the seat outside uh, watching last year, you know. So uh, he, he made sure that he wanted to, to, to be a part of it. And I think for us, we've had really successful cars. Last year was a, was a extreme bummer, I think, for the nine car and the PNC Bank car, just for the sheer fact that, you know, we'd qualified on the pole. Uh, our fourth or fifth pole um, and to be kind of wiped out in, in the first, uh, you know, sort of part of the race just because of a caution that caught us out uh, on fuel mileage and, and you know, they closed the pits. So, you know, it's uh, I think, you know, even the, the, the test that we had earlier in the year, um, all of the cars were very strong and very fast. So, you know, I think we have a great shot. You know, the, the thing I've learned the most at the Indianapolis 500 is that she almost picks the winner. You know, I've yeah. been in, in in great situations. I think I've been runner-up four or five times at this place, which is honestly the worst place you can finish. <laughs> um, but still one of, you know, the lucky ones that that's on a short list of 70 people that have ever won this race, you know. But uh, trying to go for a second one has been extremely tough. But I think that the team is is strong. We've, we've got five strong cars that have a great shot at winning. 2008, uh, you were not second. You were first and then won the Indianapolis 500 that year what do you remember about that race and about taking the checkered flag just from an emotion standpoint what what are your memories of that uh, of that win in 2008 uh, it's it's funny it's it's you know the month of may from day one to to the end is is an emotional roller coaster from the start um you know and, and that race you know i think we had such a fast car we led almost every um you know practice session during that month we were on the started on the pole 
uh, led, you know, almost 140 laps, I think it was, throughout the race. Um, you know, so for me, it was just, you know, you're kind of getting towards the end of the race, listening, you know, you're like, oh, does the engine sound funny or does the tire feel like <laughs> it's going down? You, you're kind of waiting yeah. because it went so smoothly. You were kind of just waiting for something to go wrong. And then actually... If the checker flag was out, I still went past, you know, flat out through turn one because nobody had said anything on the radio. So I was still doing, I was going to do, you know, 502.5 uh, miles and uh, miles for, for that race because I was, you know, I didn't even see the finish. So um, for me, I guess it, it um, just wanting to get back to the pits, you know, to see yeah. my family, to see my wife, uh, to see all the the, the the team members that made it possible uh, and share that memory. But, you know, even for like a week or two later, I still didn't think it was, it was real. It was, it was just coming from New Zealand, a small country. I'd seen this race for so many times, watching you know, the likes of, you know, Mario or AJ Foyce or, you know, Rick Mears, um, you know, to be in that situation where you're, you're putting the reef, over your head and drinking the milk it just it just felt like you were in a dream you know so yeah. uh one of the coolest feelings I've, I've ever been a part of and that makes it's it's, it's tricky because it makes you want it that much more again so <laughs> um hoping that will happen uh well you've been in victory circle so many times uh over your career in fact doing a little research on this you have won now correct me uh if these numbers are off but 51 you have 51 wins which is Tops among all current IndyCar drivers, and you only trail AJ Foyt, Mario Andretti. You're one behind Mario, and um, AJ has 67, uh, I think. Does that motivate you too? I mean, when you think about numbers, I know you know statistics, but that is, those are some amazing numbers. They really are. Yeah, we've been very fortunate as a team, and and yes, we've we've won a lot of races. Um, I think nineteen seasons, maybe we've we've won a race, which is which is also a record. But um, you know, we're we're the big chase is, is championship number seven. We're the uh, we're second on six um, behind AJ. Uh, obviously, we're in the business of winning races, and if you're winning yeah. races, then then championships come as well. So, you know, for me, I think uh, stats are something that hopefully you reflect on, and when you you know possibly retire or, or leave the sport, that you're happy with what you achieved. And uh, it definitely became a lot more of a topic uh, of conversation uh, over the last few years when we started to climb those ranks. You know, passing um, you know Michael Andretti and the Unsers and and uh, some crazy names. You know, so for me, it's Again, it's kind of, it feels weird to be a part of, you know, the names of, of Andretti, Foyt, Hunter, um, you know, just bizarre. So I'm, I'm so happy to be a part of this family, to be in the IndyCar uh, series and, and to be a part of it. But, you know, you always want more. So, you know, hopefully yeah. we can tie uh, Mario here soon <laughs> and, and, and pass him as well. Very good. How would you describe, uh, Scott, the state of um, the IndyCar series uh, as we sit here now in, in May of 2022? Uh, I think it's in a great place. You know, uh, the TV package uh, with NBC that they signed was was huge. Um, I think almost, you know, like uh, 80 or 90% of our races uh, are on, on NBC. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, the sponsorship packages and, and car count, you know, even if you look at car count, I think we've got 27 or 28 cars here for the for the race here. And then obviously um, we'll have the 33 locked in for the 500. Uh, but to see that kind of car count at every race is, is pretty crazy. And that's normally a good sign of the health of, of, of business. So, um, you know, there was a switch a couple of years ago with, with uh, you know, Roger Penske uh, purchasing the Indianapolis 500 uh, and, and the Speedway uh, with uh, also the series. So, 
And I think with his pull and, and his leadership and and uh, the people that he has involved, um, you know, is is has given it not a breath of fresh air because I think they were definitely on the right trajectory in any way. But it, it gives it you know that 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 kind of you know punch behind it. So uh, it's exciting times, I think, especially for the future of of IndyCar racing as a whole and and everybody involved. Yeah, what, what and just to add on to that, uh, Scott, in terms of uh, Penske's ownership of the of the Speedway and the and, and the series, from from your perspective, you know, obviously, uh, accomplished business executive, accomplished racer, and and team owner. What does his ownership bring to the table? And are there some tangible things you've seen since his uh, ownership began that that you can point to as as some of the positive changes? Uh, I think with Roger, you know, and probably just his name is is confidence, right? You know, I think if if you know someone uh, is getting called by you know the IndyCar series and Roger Penske, you you, you know it's going to be important, and and you probably need to to do you know do the deal and do the business. Um, but I think it's success. You know, I think if you look at his track record, whether it's on the business side or even you know the racing side, which there's you know there's so many parallels in how those function, um, you know, as as a whole. So uh, you know, I think it's it's. It's really understanding that you can, you know, trust this person. Uh, he's going to work hard for it. Um, you know, it's it's not a fly by night kind of company. That's you know, mm-hmm. you know, just trying to get a, a quick buck or anything like that. And and you know, for me, uh, I respect you know Roger greatly. I've had to race against him for the past twenty years, and, and unfortunately, <laughs> get beaten <laughs> many times. So um, yeah, again, for me, I think it's it's just it's the name, it's the success that he's had, but obviously, his work ethic is is. If anybody tells you about it, his work ethic is crazy. Even, you know, he's in middle, what is he, early 80s now, middle 80s. Yeah. So, um, you know, he's he's still up 2, 3, you know, a.m. in the morning, uh, you know, making calls and making sure people are, you know, getting stuff done. So um, I respect uh, him greatly, and, and I know he's going to do a tremendous job for this series. Yeah. Well, your racing career, uh, Scott, began a long way from Indianapolis. Um, grew up in New, New Zealand. What was growing up like uh, for you in New Zealand? Uh, New Zealand is, it, it's kind of weird growing up in New Zealand. You don't realize how far away from the rest of the world you are <laughs> or how small the country is. Um, yeah. but you know, it's, it's also uh, a beautiful place. Um, you know, it's kind of like you're stepping back in time a little bit too. And, and for all the good reasons, you know, I, I feel where it's, you know, it's, it's a little more laid back as well, especially in the, you know, kind of the fast business that everybody has right now but um you know for me there was always a, a rich racing uh heritage and history to to new zealand uh the likes of you know bruce mclaren chris amon uh you know kenny smith was a, was a huge hero of mine growing up and, and taught me a lot through my junior categories um so racing was was just one of those things my dad had done it in in um you know, junior categories or, or not professional stuff, you know, mostly club racing. Uh, but, you know, for me, what inspired me was was going and seeing my cousins race one weekend in go-karts and, and I just hammered on my parents for two weeks straight until <laughs> they finally caved in and, and we started racing go-karts every weekend. So, yeah, I, I love New Zealand. Uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful country for one. It's a fantastic country and, and a great work ethic on, on anything that you could think of. Um, and I miss it a lot. I wish I was able to get home more often. Yeah. Uh, well, you mentioned go-karts uh, and you started, uh, as I understand, you started racing carts as a seven-year-old and then progressed on and doing a little research. I saw that New Zealanders could not get a license until age 15 then, but you got one at age 13. Is that right? 
Yeah, so I think most of um, you know most of the the rules for racing drivers, uh, and and I think a lot of countries are still that way. You know, you 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 have to have a a road bearing license. You know, drive a, a road car, and and in New Zealand at the time, you could actually get a, a you know restricted license or a learner's permit at the age of fifteen. Uh, but there was kind of like a little underline that said, you know, if you could get signed off by you know uh, a racing professional or a steward at the time. Um, that you may be able to race, and and that's what we went for. So I had uh, some some special days uh, out at uh, Pukekohe Raceway, uh, driving. I can't even. I think it was like a, a, a Suzuki Swift, this little like two two door. And and my first time on track, the craziest thing happened. Going through this very fast corner with you know walls either side. I come around the corner. I've got this uh, this passenger with me that's telling me what to do, and a family of ducks are walking across the uh, the, uh-huh. the racetrack. And I swerve to miss them <clears throat> and spin out at about I don't know 120 miles an hour uh, to to avoid the ducks. And uh, you know, luckily I missed all the walls. We did the spin through the paddock, and uh, the 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 driver coach at the time was like. Okay, next time, if that happens ever again, just hit the ducks. <laughs> Do not try to avoid the ducks. So, um, yeah, so we got the, the special uh, dispensation. And at that time, I was the youngest in the world to, to drive Formula cars, Formula V at the age of 13. And, and uh, yeah, it's still probably got to be close to a record. I don't know how it is now, but I think it definitely paved the way for, for generations to start racing at a younger age. Yeah. How did you matriculate to, to the United States? So, um, you know, I raced until I was uh, 16, 17, well, six, 15, 16 in New Zealand, um, and then progressed to uh, Formula Holden, which was Formula 3000 version, Australia version uh, in Australia. So I moved uh, from New Zealand um, by myself at the age of 16 and, and started living in, in Melbourne uh, for two years. And then um, we were actually traveling to uh, Europe, uh, going to the UK to test in Formula 3. I think with Alan Docking at the time, which was a, which was a, a team owner, and uh, got a call um, to test an Indy Lights in in Sebring, Florida, uh, on the way, and uh, went there. The test went amazingly well, uh, and they signed us kind of uh, the following week to, to to race. And you know, we had no money, so you know, uh, for us, we were kind of just grasping at straws anyway to to see where it could go. And uh, through Stefan Johansson, uh, who is still my manager today. Uh, and Vern Schupen, they they uh, signed me to to drive in their Indy Lights team, and and um, yeah, the rest is history. That 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 yeah. I never made it to Europe, never went to Europe. Um, uh-huh. Went a few years later to test in Formula One, um, but that was that was how I've been here ever since. Yeah, what was the journey like? You mentioned uh, a, a young guy uh, starting out. Uh, people like you, you don't have any money though. How, what is that journey like? That process like? For these young drivers back when you were at that age, but also today, to to make it because money is such an important part of the equation. It is tough, you know. It's not it's not your typical you know uh, stick and ball sport. Um, you know, it's it is expensive. You know, and and we 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 definitely found uh, that dilemma. You know, uh, you know, thanks so thankful for my parents to to get me kind of to the age of sixteen where they funded pretty much all of it. Uh, but then we did get to a point where it just wasn't possible. So my dad actually came up with the idea of of starting an investors group um, of uh, you know uh, New Zealand businessmen that that were you know trying to get uh, young talent uh, to the world stage in, in motor racing that you know were basically gearheads in their own right. And uh, so we got a group of thirteen to fourteen uh, people together, uh, set up an investment group, 
called, I think it was called Scotics Motorsport, and and they funded for living costs and you know crash budgets and you know some of the things weren't covered when when I first came to America. Uh, the testing package, you know, you're talking still you know two, three, four hundred thousand, five hundred thousand dollars of of uh, you know of payments each year. So uh, that was kind of the first version. I think we've seen many versions uh, throughout. Um, you know, recent history with different drivers and how they've been, you know, being uh, trying to do it, uh, which has also got me into another space with, uh, you know, a company called Garage XYZ, which is an NFT. Uh, and they're trying to do that too, to promote and help young talent, um, you know, get through those links. So uh, for me, it, it was the the perfect story, right? You know, we, we put the group together. We, you know, uh, ended up becoming an IndyCar driver probably three, four years later. And, and I was able to pay them back over the first two, three, four years of, of you know, my earning career. So um, that's the perfect story. And, and I'm sure, you know, they haven't all gone as smoothly as that one. But, you know, without that uh, group of 13 or 14 investors for me, it would have never happened. Yeah. And obviously, you achieved success at a very young age. In fact, you were just, I believe, just 20 years old when you won your first IndyCar race at Nazareth in 2001, and then two years later, you were at the Indy 500, right? Yeah, so it's, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a crazy ride, you know, honestly, here in America, first year went really well in Indy Lights, won the championship in, in Indy Lights the second year, and, and then got promoted to, you know, CART, uh, which was, a, you know, there was two yeah. kind of IndyCar series going on at the same time, and uh, to get, you know, I think it was the fourth or fifth race of the season to, to get a victory was was, was mind-blowing, um, and I was, the, you know, the youngest in the world to, to win a major, you know, uh, open wheel uh race and and for me again it was one of those stories where i, I was like i can't believe that just happened so you know we won it on strategy in a different kind of way of you know uh of winning that race but um you know for me it was it was uh i was like we're here you know we can do this and and, yeah. and it was exciting so yeah you know we, we had help along the way with uh, the investment stuff but you know quite honestly you still you you have to get the results and and uh we we, we did that yeah and at indy that first uh trip to indy you led 15 laps, I think. We're looking at a top five finish that had a had a spin out, a uh, little unfortunate situation. Yeah, that race, honestly, I think we could have won that race. We we had such uh we had so much speed, um, but we actually had a fuel pickup issue. Um, so every half, every time we got to half tanks, the, the car would run out of fuel. So I think we did many more stops than anybody else during the race. We were wow. laps down and, and we were able to to race our way back up. Um, you know, so it, it, it's one of those stories where you, you feel like you have the speed and, and, and the possibilities to win a race, but it gets taken away from you. But yeah, I was definitely with, you know, a great team, obviously the first year with the team and, and later that year we go on to win the championship, you know, so it was, it was a big year, man. Yeah, special year. Hey, we'll have much more with IndyCar champion Scott Dixon, special relationship with his wife, Emma, that goes beyond in many respects, husband and wife, and why they call Indy home and much more when the Business and Beyond podcast returns. First Person Advisors is now a subsidiary of National Financial Partners, the fifth largest insurance broker and consultant in the world. Develop your total reward strategies all in one place with the combination of First Person's local expertise and NFP's global resources and integrated solutions. Learn more at firstpersonadvisors.com.
Welcome back to the Business and Beyond podcast presented by PNC. My guest this week is championship IndyCar driver, Scott Dixon. Scott, Indianapolis is a special place to you. You won the Indianapolis the Indy 500 and uh, been such a, a, an incredible competitor uh, here at the, at the Speedway as well. But you and your wife, Emma, call Indy, essentially call Indy home year-round, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's definitely a uh, base for us. Uh, I'm from New Zealand, obviously, and then my wife's, uh, you know, from from uh, UK. So, you know, I guess America's in the middle, Indianapolis is in the middle. Uh, yeah. But I, I've loved living here. I first kind of uh, came to India in 1999 and then started living here full time in, in 2000. So I, I guess I'm a qualified Hoosier now. But uh, I love uh, love the city, um, obviously. For obvious reasons of of you know the racing and and everybody yeah. loves racing, uh, but everybody is just you know it's so lovely and and for us you know the the size of the city is great too. It's not too crazy. It's not too hectic. And and for us flying and jumping around to different cities, um, you know it's a great place to to bring up our children and and uh, we yeah we lo- we love everybody here in India. Yeah, and I know you you and your wife both are really engaged in the community in a lot of ways. And uh, big sponsors, PNC, I, I know has an intern program uh, with uh, with women focused on getting more women uh, in motorsports, and are going to be launching uh, a big initiative around that uh, here during the month of May. Talk about if you would that relationship with PNC, their early education. I know is a big focus as well, but also women in motorsports and uh, making that happen as well. Yeah, PNC have been an amazing partner and, and, uh, you know, not just from, you know, the simple stuff of, of sponsoring a car, but, you know, uh, it's, it's all about the community outreach and, you know, the program started, um, you know, with the Grow Up Great, uh, initiative and, and, you know, what we do is, you know, lead into, to most of the races that we go to. We do uh, a book reading, uh, with, with a lot of kids and, you know, they, they really touch on trying to make sure that everybody has the opportunity and not just providing, you know, uh, stuff for the children and, and books and things like that, but also for, for the teachers. And, and um, you know, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Trust me, over the, the period of, of uh, COVID with uh, doing it all on Zoom was was very tricky trying to get, you know, hundreds and, and sometimes thousands of kids to, to try and tune in and, and watch peacefully. Uh, me reading a book was, was difficult. Um, but thankfully, this year, we've, we've been, you know, back into a lot of, uh, you know, in classroom stuff and, and it's been great they've done a tremendous job but you know for for this year um you know women in motorsport campaign and and it's a it's a you know joint effort between pnc bank and chip ganassi racing you know they're helping drive the the gender equality in motor racing and not always an easy thing you know it's it's, right. it's very much known as a as a man's sport but women playing just do things a lot better <laughs> sometimes and <laughs> you know it, it, it's great to have you know i think that whole group working together so this month um they've started um you know inspire young women and 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 having five college students uh, i've got a fully funded uh internship um you know from around the country starting uh you know in the month of may and then working throughout the summer and for the season so doing lots of races but i think one of their biggest races is coming up first with the indy 500 so it's it's yeah. exciting you know and, and they're going to be you know working from management level um you know to the engineering side to you know the athletics side there's so many different divisions uh with within these uh you know within these racing companies and and uh, kudos to, to, to pnc for that you and your wife Emma married in 2008, just a few months before the Indy 500. Uh, so that yeah. 2008 was a special year for you, to be sure. How, how did you meet? Uh, well, we actually met a few years previously uh, through a mutual friend, and and uh, then I was actually I was in England uh, testing in, in uh, Formula One and was was uh, you know um, 
hanging out actually i had no one to go out with for a night and, and called a friend and he's like yeah i've got some friends going out and that's how it all started and um you know it's definitely a little different for, for emma emma has a, a background in running she was a runner for um you know great britain uh, her specialty which is probably the the hardest discipline was the 800 meters Wow. Um, so, you know, she, she made Olympic teams and, and also did uh, Commonwealth Games. So, you know, she's a huge athlete and, and just, you know, her, I, I get it from both sides, you know, Chip on the, Chip Ganassi on the racing side, who's probably the most competitive person I know. And then when I come home, uh, my wife is probably the other most competitive person I know. So, um, yeah, it, it, it kicked off fast. 2008 was a big year. We got married and in, uh, in February, uh, went on to win the 500 in May. Uh, won the championship in, in September, and then and then Emma was pregnant uh, at the end of the year. So 2008 was a big year for us. But um, yeah, I uh, love her to bits. She's a she's such a special person, and and has helped me in so many ways on the racing side as well. Yeah, and, and, and you know beyond that that obvious husband and wife relationship, the fact that she was a world class athlete, uh, competitive. Uh, what does that bring? Uh, you know, kind of the back and forth between the two of you, your professional career all the things you have going, there's kind of, a, it seems to be a meshing, kind of a nice connection there uh, from that standpoint. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, the biggest thing is, is, is the emotional side, you know, the knowing the ups and downs, knowing yeah. uh, sometimes, you know, how to deal with getting beat, um, you know, enjoying the moments of, of when you win, you know, it's, it's, it is, it's, it's seriously is a, is a massive roller coaster, And, and uh, I think it's, it's really helpful when you have somebody that's been through a lot of that stuff previously. Um, but on, you know, even, you know, like, even if it comes to nutrition or, you know, she, she was the engine, right? So she knew how to, uh, push your body to, you know, new extremes to, to know, you know, what to put into your body. So it, it helped a lot of that stuff was not always something I thought too much about. Uh, but because racing has become so physical, it was, it was another attribution, uh, to that. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I don't know, but I think it's more that, you know, we're both super competitive people. Um, we love being competitive and, and, you know, to, to have that partner that's, you know, there with you and pushing you as hard uh is is huge and has been huge yeah speaking of the highs and the lows and there have been far more highs than lows what in your view makes ganassi racing so successful are there secrets to the success uh, of, of ganassi racing because it has been uh, truly uh, a juggernaut in uh, in indycar race uh honestly i would say it's the people um yeah. i think that's what it really comes down to um you know chip is is obviously you know steering the ship um, as I said earlier, he's one of the most competitive people I've ever met. And, and you know, to, to work for someone that's always, you know, pushing the boundaries, whether it's on the technology technology side to partnerships, you know, and, and partners are another big key, you know, whether it's with Honda or, you know, GM or, you know, Ford and, and, and a lot of these partnerships that he's had. But, you know, wholeheartedly comes down to the people, you know, and, and the mindset. Everybody, I, I, as soon as I walked through that door in 2002, I was like, wow. I, I now understand why the vibe of just, you know, the grit and the determination that this place has had, um, you know, but also with compassion as well, you know, they're, they're, they're not, you know, uh, they're not all, all, all mad and angry or anything like that, but, you know, it's just that common goal of if you don't win, you got to do better. And, and they continue to surprise me. I've, this is my 21st season with the team. Uh, we've won, you know, six championships along the way. Almost, you know, fifty-one races, uh, and they keep they keep pushing uh, extremely hard. So, yeah, simple answer is it's it's all about the people. Yeah, uh, looking forward, Scott. Uh, any uh, you're still 
least in my view, and you look very young, for sure, and you are relatively <laughs> young. What uh, bucket list, next next things? Uh, I know you're focused on Indianapolis right now, certainly in, in the month of May. But as you look bigger picture, any, any, any things out there yet to accomplish? So right now, and, and honestly, that all that matters to me is, is getting a second Indianapolis 500 yeah. win. Uh, and then if we we're, we're lucky to do so this year, then it will be a third. But um, and 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 a seventh championship. You know, it's it's chasing these big goals and and uh, you know these these really tough to do, you know, things for me are, are, are what I'm after. Um, my my share just focus is is on IndyCar racing and winning. So you know, uh, I think it's it's difficult for for a lot of people uh, to talk about you know what the future brings or anything like that. Uh, for me, I just want to focus on what I'm doing right now, and and that's trying to win uh, IndyCar racing. Yeah, yeah. One, one other question, looking to the future, and that's the future of IndyCar racing. You know, a lot of very talented uh, young drivers uh, out there now. Uh, do you feel good about the, kind of where the sport is as you look to the to the future and some of the young talent uh, that's out there? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think uh, they've, they've, you know, again, uh, I think that the, you can see it just by the car count, you know, to, to have 27, 28, 29 cars every weekend. You know, we always knew that with the 500, you, you have 33 cars that start the race. But, you know, to have these high counts, you know, some of the years we had 18 to 20 right. uh, at some of these races, you know, so it, it, it definitely looks strong. I think um, the amount of young talent that's coming through, a lot of young talent that's now coming through from, you know, Formula One or Europe uh, is huge as well. And they're bringing lots of new sponsors with them. You know, from my point of view, I think we we, we do need to start racing at more venues. You know, we're, we're kind of at a... A 16 race series at the moment. I think we need to get to you know a good round number of 20 or 22 races. Uh, we need to be racing in Mexico. I think we do need to be racing in some foreign countries as well. Um, you know, in in the off season kind of time and months. You know, in, in the winter. Um, so yeah, there's there's lots of areas I think that the the sport can grow. Um, but you know, they've they've done a, a a really fine job of making sure that domestically it's it's really strong. Uh, entries are strong. The money coming in is strong. You know, so many people now that are you know trying to get into the sport uh, is why these teams are having to expand with new cars because they don't have the space on the cars from sponsors. You know, so right. it's 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 a good uh, good situation to be in, and and you're you're sure right. There's a lot of young great talent coming in. Scott Dixon, an Indy 500 champion, uh, multiple uh, series champion, one of the winningest drivers in all of uh, motorsports. Scott, really appreciate you taking the time to join us uh, today, and uh, and good luck this month and beyond. I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. And thank you for joining us on this edition of the Business and Beyond podcast presented by PNC. It's a weekly conversation with achievers in business, sports, entertainment, and beyond. And you can download all of our episodes and also get Indiana Business News 24-7. All you have to do is go to InsideIndianaBusiness.com. I'm Gary Dick. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.